Hello, Marjorie, Arnie, and Jacob. I want to play a game. You have reviewed many movies in your life, but with the release of Saw 6, I have a new test for you. You have to watch and review all of the movies in the Saw series. We need to talk. We need to think. But be warned. These reviews will be filled with spoilers, and the language used will offend some people. But this is your task. Live or die. Make your choice. Today we're discussing Saw 3, starring Tobin Bell, Shawnee Smith, and Angus McFadden, directed by Darren Lynn Boozman. I'm Arnie, host of Now Playing. And I'm Marjorie, and I'm hoping this is all a test by Jigsaw. And I'm Jacob, and I come from Los Angeles, the land of Hollywood, so you have to trust what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're from the land that brought us these movies. Yeah, I'm so proud of these movies. It brings a tear to my eye. And you bring us most of the pornography in the world. Uh, and the thing is, I live in the valley. It's not just the city. It's the actual, like, few square blocks. I live within those few square blocks where most of the pornography is filmed, produced, manufactured, packed, everything. So we are talking about Saw 3, and in doing my research on this movie, I found out there are three different cuts. There's the theatrical cut, there's the unrated cut, and then there's the over two hours long director's cut. Now, we saw the unrated cut. So did I. Okay, so none of us have seen the director's cut, but we'll talk about it a little bit at the end. Thank God. They just kept getting longer. It's like Saw Uncut. You see, they just miss all these puns they could do with the title. They're coming, I'm sure. I, and they're such clever little writers. You'd think they catch that. At least they think they're clever. And Saw 3 picks up immediately where Saw 2 left off with Donnie Wahlberg's Detective Matthews locked in a room and Shawnee Smith saying game over. And we get all this audio to remind us where we were. And then we start off with Donnie in the cell and he's obviously smarter than Carrie Elway's and Adam, as instead of cutting his foot off, he just breaks the hell out of it. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think having you need the viewer needed to see one to get what was going on or two to get what was going on here? Or do you think, you know, you could have just jumped on in here? Because it at first I thought, ah, this is just going into number uh, three. What if you didn't see the first two? But then, you know, number one just started right off the bat. So, I mean, what did you feel? I thought that you needed to see all of them because as the movie progresses, I, I think they could have just filmed all, like, if they're going to probably make ten of these, all in, like, three weeks because they keep referencing the other movies. And as you get deeper into the movie, you get really confused. And when we move on to number four next oh my gosh you have to have seen all of these i think in my opinion i agree i think that for viewing of number three number two is required viewing because otherwise you don't know the whole matthews thing and again with four it it just becomes a clusterfuck again once they bring costas mandalore into it it's just a giant big wtf moment which is he comes in in part three yeah now i think one is the one you could skip the most primarily because carrie l always never returns and never will because he had to sue the studio to get his piles and piles of money that he earned off the receipts for Saw 1. And so he's never touching the franchise again. They don't even use the images from one of him. No. So they drop his name repeatedly, but I think that the fact that Elways was the survivor of one and yet never returns makes one the weak link, actually. But starting with number two, these things are as intertwined as a soap opera. It's virtually episodic. This reminds me of Lost the Movie series, where instead of an episode a week we get an episode a year yeah i feel like i need to make a flow chart to keep track of what's going on because as we get deeper and deeper into it it gets more confusing and the first time we watched all of these movies we didn't watch them together we watched them as they came out either on dvd or in the theaters and i was left more confused spacing them a year and a half apart and now i'm even more confused spacing them an hour apart well, it's a shame you're saying that uh carrie elwood's not coming back because i actually thought the the reveal of one of the characters was going to be him uh you had that you know we'll get into it but you had that 
lawyer. He's kind of hooded and he has that limp. And I'm like, oh, he's going to be the guy that's like picking up after Jigsaw. And that didn't that, you know, that's not the, the revelation. But, you know, it's a shame that he's not coming back because his story is still open ended. I'm hoping it gets resolved at some point. Yeah, I think that I read on the director's commentary. They said that he just had to have bled to death. Now, there's always, of course, the chance that they'll offer him enough money to put aside grudges. But as of the time of this recording and Saw 6 is not yet out, there was a big rumor surrounding Saw 6 that Carrie always would be in it. But that has seemingly not been the case from the pre-release materials. So maybe he'll return for 7. Who knows? But yeah, again, Carrie always is kind of mad at them. But yeah, what do you think, Jacob? Do you think you have had to see 1 and 2 to jump into 3 here? You know, I had to watch this movie twice. And we'll get into why. I mean, these are movies that especially as we're going to try to sit here and discuss them, I think you have to watch repeatedly to catch everything. And the first time I actually wrote in my notes, the first note I wrote for Saw 3 was, hope you saw part two, exclamation mark. <laughs> but when I was re-watching it, maybe because I was more familiar with it, I don't know, I was trying to see it from a different pair of eyes. Could I watch this as just a standalone movie? And it, it probably would have been as coherent as the first one was, where you, you're just thrown into things. So I think it might work. Can I just go ahead and extend my sympathies to you that you watched it twice? Well, we've watched it twice now as I know, well. but I had a few years to forget it. <laughs> Well, here's my thing with part three is we are introduced to so many characters through scenes and the beginning of all of these movies, I think about five minutes in Marjorie and I pause the movie every time and go, do you know what the fuck's going on? Because you just get this like scene and you think the movie's begun and then it just like cuts immediately to something else. Like in this one, we start with Detective Matthews breaking his foot and you think that he's going to be able to escape out and you're going to follow that. But then we immediately jump to police breaking into apartment and it's Detective Carey, who's been with us since the first movie, and Costas Mandalore, who is, I know him from Picket Picket Fences, Fences, where he played the dumb cop. Carey and Costas Mandalore, who plays Detective Hoffman, are investigating Troy. This is who we cut to. Troy is strung up like out of a Hellraiser movie with chains and piercings, and he has to rip his flesh free. Oh, he's like the people that suspend themselves and put the big hooks in their back. And that really creeped me out because I do not like that type of body modification. It just really makes me queasy and most things don't make me queasy. That one was really hard to watch. That's the first scene in the movie that I felt really uncomfortable watching just because I've got this thing with hooks in the skin. I'm fine with everything except ear gauging. I actually put that they definitely turned up the gore level in this movie. That that scene was the first time I actually kind of cringe. I mean, there was the cutting off the leg, but that that's off camera. You don't see it a lot. This is the first time I'm like, man, they're really getting into the gore part of of these uh, films. Yeah, because he's ripping these giant, I mean, we're talking probably three quarter inch around rings through his hands and like through his lips. And was there one attached to his balls? I couldn't quite tell that, but I thought there was. Achilles tendon in the back of his (laughs) ankle there. And then the one in his mouth, I was really confused. I thought maybe it was unwinnable because you saw his intestines all over. No, that was the bomb that blew up because he wasn't. But it was attached to the ring still so that's why i wondered if it was something else but i don't know i didn't want to spend that much time dissecting the murder scene i I think that last that one in his lip was the last one he tried to pull out and the uh, bomb went off as he's trying to do that but was this all taking place in a school it looked like a classroom it was a classroom okay i i I gotta wonder about this city where they got this kind of stuff going i mean i'm from la i I know about going through metal detectors to get to class in high school but (laughs) man they tortured racks in their their classes (laughs) well you know i I remember when I was little, though, you could go up to my grade school and you could walk in on Saturday and Sunday and there'd be like custodial staff there and they never stopped anybody. I never got that this was a school. I, I don't know where all this stuff is. It's all this mysterious, dark and dank location. But there's desks and there are Were there desks around. Yes. Troy? And there was a blackboard. Yeah, but it might have just been a room set up to look like a class. I don't know. Don't they go down some stairs, though? They go down stairs to get to Troy. I I had classrooms in the basement. I don't know. Maybe they're just reusing the set because the classroom certainly comes back in Saw 4. And that at least would make sense. But then we have another jump cut. Detective Carey, who was just investigating Troy moments ago, a blink ago, is now herself waking up in a trap. And she has to dip her hand in acid to get a key out and unlock her 
herself from a rib cage embedded. But didn't you think that was awful trap. quick that we jumped to that? It's like they're investigating the murder scene of Troy, and then all of a sudden, bam, she's caught up in one of his contraptions. Well, it shows her watching that video, and then the, the pig, the mysterious pig, jumps out and, and grabs her, and then it goes to that scene. That was not in our movie. We, that was not in our. That scene was not in the one we watched. No, I didn't see a pig no. attack her. We were, she, they were at the crime scene, and then and boom. the very next thing we saw, she was. Because was, there, there's a scene in between where she has, she takes the video uh, from from the the scene before, and she's analyzing it in her home, and it ends. It goes to the white snow, and then she looks up, and there's a video watching her. She sees herself on the TV, so she grabs her gun and she starts walking towards the closet because that's where the video feed is coming from. And she opens the door, and a person in the in the pig mask jumps out, and then you go to that torture. That scene, that scene would have been very helpful to us because that's when we just pause and went, "What the hell?" Yeah, it was, it, just, it was like a train wreck. Boom, she's in the thing. It was torture, torture, torture with absolutely nothing. I thought they were trying to use the French mise-en-scene artistic style because I was confused. Yeah, that would really make no sense without that scene I saw. I'm... It, it didn't make any sense. Maybe we also just had a bad DVD or something, a scratch that skipped it and we just no, didn't even I, realize. No, I'm going to go with it was actually just not included in the version we saw. But Carrie is in an inescapable trap. She dips her hand in the acid, pulls out the key, unlocks herself, and still can't get out. And there's Shawnee Smith, which is not what I'd like to be the last thing I see before I die. And Carrie's guts are ripped apart and we have a... Well, it's her, it's, the metal tines are attached to her ribs and it pulled all her ribs out. And I wondered immediately, if this thing's attached to my ribs, how is a key going to help me? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, that means somebody's cut into me and attached something to my ribs. So immediately I'm like... How how does a key fix that? She definitely had an unwinnable scenario, don't you guys think? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I would even before they announced, because soon afterwards you find out that Jigsaw's changed his method and, and now people are just dying. They're not giving him a way out. But even before they rebuild that, I'm looking at it. And I'm like, how is undoing that little padlock going to remove this from her ribs? It, it doesn't make sense. And again, you talked about the gore level being up. I thought when she exploded and just the skin and the innards, I was like what? See, I didn't think that one looked very realistic. How would you know? I'm not, I'm just saying that <laughs> it looked like they just hung some baby back ribs cut into pieces on it. I didn't think it looked really realistic. Well, did her her death throw you for a loop? Because I, I definitely thought she was going to be the central focus for this movie. She was going to be the one caught up in that game and she'd get out of that little trap and then there would be a bigger game reveal. So I, that, that actually did kind of catch me off guard when they killed her. It did for me. I did not, even though we've seen this movie before, I didn't remember it at all, really. And it was like watching it for the first time. And when they killed her, I was like, wow, she's been in all the movies so far. And I, too, thought she would be more central to it, especially since, you know, the actress Dina Meyer, she's not really a star, but she's somebody, you know, she's somebody to keep coming back. I mean, she's probably, yeah, about the level of stardom as Costas Mandalore, but... I thought her death was really quick, too. It wasn't... It just seemed to... All of a sudden, bam, she's in the room and then sticks her hand in the ass and gets a key real quick and she can't get it and she's done. It was over, I thought, in a matter of 90 seconds. Most of them drag out a little bit more. Well, yeah, they, they've had this timer where you have like 60 seconds and I think they did that in uh, 2 as well where you have a really short period of time to get out of some of these uh, uh, traps. I thought that same thing. I think I said it in either part 2 or, you know, you're, you're not giving them much time even if they decide to mutilate themselves to do it. But then we cut again and now we're taken to see Dr. Lin who is in a semi bad relationship with a guy and she's at a hospital where she's a is she a trauma physician is she a surgeon it looks like she's definitely an er physician and i assume trauma because it was a motor vehicle accident they came in and said mva and then she immediately went to put in a chest tube into the kids so i was thinking she's like an er trauma doc but apparently those people are good for oncology as well i'm really confused on that I just know the doctor, and so she could do stuff. <laughs> but at this point, we have now been introduced to four sets of characters, because then Dr. Lynn gets attacked by Pig Mask. So we have Detective Matthews in the chain, then we have Troy in the rings, then we have Carrie with the ribcage, and now we have Lynn. And this is where Marjorie and I were really confused. Yeah, it just, it's like it's high on caffeine, and it just goes boom, boom, jumps all over the place. And this is where you start losing interest, because you can't pay attention. I was really just wanting to know who the main 
character was of this movie so I could start caring about somebody. I think it was Lynn. It, I, I think it was Jake Saw and yeah. Shawnee Smith. They get the top billing. I, I was hoping it was Carrie because even though I didn't really care about, about her that much, she'd been in the other films. So I had some kind of attachment to her. But yeah, then they went on to this doctor and uh, whatever. Well, the doctor is taken to Jigsaw, who we found out in the first movie he has cancer. And now he's in end stage. He is. They have a makeshift hospital again in some mysterious building. It's got tile walls. Lots of grime. Yeah. And <laughs> they put a collar on Dr. Lynn and she has to keep Jigsaw alive doing whatever it takes in this grimy room for as long as somebody else takes to go through their trials. And if Jigsaw dies, the collar will blow off Lynn's head. I haven't tried that method of coercing my doctors to give me more effective treatment, but I wouldn't be opposed to it necessarily with some of the doctors I've had. Well, I, I think I was listening to Rush Limbaugh, and that's the kind of health care plan that Obama wants to put in. So I, I could see why everyone's against it. It's <laughs> the one they have in Canada. Exactly. You can kill your doctor if they don't you fix don't you. You kill me, you will die. <laughs> and it's a collar linked to his heart rate. So I think we've got some really good techs going on here because I'm but i have a note in my synopsis of this movie so we know amanda is a former junkie and we know jigsaw was an engineer but obviously he's got brain cancer and compromised physically and perhaps mentally so did he recruit amanda because in her previous life to being a junkie she was an engineer also or perhaps a some sort of pyrotechnics person or something like that because from what i can tell she's just a two-bit junkie well yeah i actually have my notes in my notes how is all this funded? I mean, where are they they getting the money for all these contraptions? Well, everybody knows engineers are like rock stars. <laughs> I get. But can, even going, once I saw Jigsaw alive, because, you know, in two, they, they want you to think he's dead. They show him in the in the car unconscious. My question is, after the SWAT team in two found out that they're in the wrong house, that it's got those VCRs or whatever playing the feed, did they just go home and call it a day? Did they not continue <laughs> to look now, now I, that they know Jigsaw is gone? on and missing they just go well he tricked us with his vcrs he wins this one we'll try to get him another day I kind of wonder now, obviously this stuff is really bizarre that he's got going on. You'd think that they could track where he's buying it from because I'll be goddamn if someone buys fertilizer and petroleum, the FBI's all over him in a heartbeat. But this guy is making some weird, weird, weird shit. And it's not normal stuff that you go down to the farm and home supply and buy. Well, just track who bought like a million mini tapes and mini cassettes. No one uses those. That should be really easy to track. You're right. I mean, that should be really easy to track. He probably is using the internet. Do, do people even make those anymore? I mean, <laughs> I, I did have in my notes that Jigsaw should go digital, especially yeah, I, si- since it, we'll talk about it more in the next movie, but he swallows the tape. I was thinking that would be so much easier to swallow a thumb drive. <laughs> put some audio files on it. But it's not like these traps look new either. I mean, I know it's a production design choice to make these traps look as torturific as possible by making them look like ancient wrought iron and they're rusty and they're stained. But it's not like he went down to the steel mill and got some fresh steel. I think maybe he's raiding junkyards. Well, even if you survive one of his scenarios and tests, you're going to get nasty infection from all that rusty metal anyway. I hope you, you had your have tetanus. tetanus shot. <laughs> Maybe Amanda knows how to build all this stuff uh, since uh, Jigsaw is incapacitated. Maybe she knows how to build it all because he just did all those like little dioramas beforehand and she's just going off the dioramas. She's a really smart junkie. Yeah. Did you guys think that as we got into this movie, the really weird relationship between them, did you think it was more Stockholm Syndrome or more like older man, daddy's little girl kind of weird vibe going on? I, I found myself just annoyed with Amanda. I liked her in the second one. She, you know, she was playing everyone in the second one. She was the new jigsaw. This one, she's just whiny and I don't know, bipolar. One second she's crying, the next second she's pulling out guns and threatening people. She's not. I was yeah, she she just annoyed the hell out of me in this movie. And yeah, she just she really is crazy. Uh and I, I didn't like her. I liked her when she's more of that disciple, where maybe it was more of a Stockholm syndrome. Here she's just taking too much heroin and, and lost her brain. I just couldn't understand the inconsistency that she stands right in front of Detective Carey when Detective Carey explodes all over and Amanda doesn't even flinch. But Jigsaw starts coughing up some blood and she's like paralyzed. She can't stand the sight of it. But I thought that 
that was because of their weird relationship. You have to understand, I the way I got it is I thought she was viewing him as kind of a Jim Jones kind of influence on her life where you will kill yourself because this person tells you to do it and it's the right thing to do. I, I, th- I think she loved him. I think that it was a romantic love coming from her. Like, you know, he is trying to fix me. I, I don't know, Marjorie, you haven't obviously dated a broken woman. But no. Jacob, maybe you've dated some broken women oh, yeah. in your past <laughs> where you think you can fix them and then they love you because they think you're fixing them and it's that whole demented thing. And, and many women have dated me because I'm a very broken man uh, <laughs> thinking that. And no, I yeah, there's there's that undertones. I, as much as I found her annoying, I was also kind of intrigued with this weird relationship they had going on. But just all her crying and whininess uh, kind of put me off. But I was kind of intrigued by it. But yeah, I think he viewed her just as a teacher and a student. He was very detached. But, you know, we'll we'll get into it a little bit more later. But I think she was definitely feeling, I guess, romantically jealous. Or maybe it's like competitive children jealous. But there was something where she felt she was his favorite. And any time he did anything against her, she got jealous. Well, and yeah, and there's at towards the end of this film, and I don't think it ever comes up again in the film, there's that envelope with that letter or something he writes to her is that a breakup note i I, we never find out Mm -mm. okay i I was hoping i didn't miss something because i was just confused by that it really makes me mad because they mention it again in four and we still don't know what it said yeah there's a lot of i mean and this plays into the end of the film but there's I, I maybe in your in your cut of the film does it actually show him covering that tape in the wax yes but yeah and i'm like what was the point i mean by the end of the film i'm like okay i guess this is going to come up later but there's a lot of weird loose ends that just confused me as the film was going along here's the thing that i found interesting is i remember when this movie came out and this movie is again written by james wan who is the director of the first one and lee wannell who was adam and also the co-writer of the first one and when the first was such a big hit these two came out and said we have a trilogy in mind and then with part three they said this is our last involvement and it was this is the last time either of them are driving the story and so knowing this kind of meta information going into three i felt like three would be the return of the jedi of the saw series and everything would be wrapped up but because three was successful then we'll bring in some hack writers and we'll just keep making more stories but in watching three that couldn't be farthest from the truth this is I guess the Empire Strikes Back of the Saw movies because there is so much left here. There's a tape you see covered in candle wax and you get flashes of characters such as Jigsaw starts having flashbacks and you see a woman with whom he is obviously romantically involved and you know nothing else about her and you get Costas Mandalore for a scene and there's all these characters introduced. Quite obviously, they were writing four when they were writing three and they knew exactly what they were doing and T Teasing the audience so that when four happened, you get some payoff for some of the things teased in three. And this is why you have to watch them all at once together or see all of them at least to understand what the hell is going on. Seriously, it's like watching a season of Lost or Battlestar Galactica on DVD versus watching it week to week. You get so much more out of it if you just sit down and watch all the Saw movies at once. Of course, by the end, you may be a little bit fucked in the head and want to go design some bear traps. But <laughs> And then finally, we get to... To our, I guess, fifth storyline. Now we have Jeff, and Jeff is played by Angus McFadden, which you may remember him from Braveheart. I don't. He looks somewhat familiar. I don't I, I'd have to rewatch Braveheart, and I don't really want to do that, though. Maybe if he painted half of his face blue, it would. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> and that's I'm gonna paint half my TV screen blue and, and see if it sets <laughs> off any moves. And he is a tortured man living alone with his daughter. His wife has, I guess, left him after his son died, killed by a drunk driver. And this is the big subject of Jigsaw's tests. Is this guy is pulling a taxi driver, pointing a gun at a mirror, and pretending he's taking vengeance on the drunk driver that killed his kid? And Jigsaw's like, you must forgive. Jigsaw is now Jesus. He's, I I don't know if he's dying for our sins, but he's trying to teach a lesson of forgiveness. You must forgive thy drunk driver. 
and how does he even know about this case? I, I mean, that's my, I, we talked about this before. How does he pick these people? Does he scan the internets, like have uh, uh, bots out there just scanning for stories about these tortured parents who lost their kids or went through some weird thing or have some kind of obsession to find these people? It's just, it, it's so random. I thought the exact same thing when watching this because his trials are to face people who were involved in letting the drunk driver get off with only a six month sentence. And the very first person he encounters is this woman who was apparently a witness and had she come forward and said what she knew then the guy would have been convicted for longer but she didn't because she was afraid to or too involved in her own life well if the courts didn't know to subpoena this woman how did jigsaw know was jigsaw there at the time of the accident and saw her drive away in which case isn't jigsaw also a witness and if he wasn't there how'd he know that that was my exact same question I'm like, here's the mysterious person that no one ever saw, and now here she is because you know she was there. I mean, <laughs> Jigsaw maybe is Jesus. He's he is all omniscient. He's everywhere. Well, and I kind of thought originally that he had done this to people who had he had encountered in his life that he saw doing wrong that he wanted to make them appreciate life and so on. Like Dr. Gordon was his doctor that gave him the diagnosis and horrible in the hospital and things like that. But then as I watch more of it, it just appears to be totally an utterly random. Yeah, I mean, Adam was hired by Danny Glover to follow Dr. Gordon, but did Jigsaw encounter Adam while visiting his oncologist? I mean, just from the very beginning, it seems pretty random. But then, no, if you look, though, Detective Matthews in the second one, the reason how he's intertwined with Jigsaw is he's the one who set up Amanda for when she went to prison. Oh, I just blew oh, his, I just blew his mind. You, yeah, you just blew my mind. I'm like, oh, yeah. Huh. So that was a personal vengeance against Matthews. I honestly thought that Jigsaw just spent half his time using traps on cops that were getting too close because you got Danny Glover and the Asian guy and Detective Matthews. All of them are investigating Jigsaw. So I just thought half the time, you know, he's lucky cops are usually tortured people. But here's the thing, Arnie. He never goes after the Danny Glover character. Yeah, he, he cuts his throat that one time because Danny Glover went after him, but I expected at some point after seeing these three films, why didn't he ever put Danny Glover into a trap? He's obsessed with finding this killer and going after the wrong people. He doesn't do it to old people. To old There's people. an age limit on his test. If you notice, he only does it to young people hey, or if, younger. If Michael Emerson hadn't shot Danny Glover in the stomach, I'm sure Danny Glover had a Venus flytrap steel trap waiting for him. Maybe Jigsaw knows. I mean, Glover took on the Predator. And <laughs> That's I true. Mean, Arnold barely lived from that encounter. And here's Danny Glover. So, <laughs> And Danny Glover didn't just face one. He faced like a horde of, of Predators. Dude, back down from him he was so badass <laughs> now here was my question is honestly this was the first time i could relate to one of jigsaw's lessons because jigsaw's trying to teach a good thing here instead of you are a voyeur and now you must watch you know instead of that bullshit it's like you are a tortured man and i'm going to try to help you to learn to forgive but is it fair to try to make a man whose son died by a drunk driver forgive the drunk driver okay but hold on now now we haven't talked about part four yet and we won't but put that in back of your head for when we talk about part four well yeah i, I agree with you already i i actually not that i cared about anyone in this movie but i did have sympathy for whatever drunk driver victim down i don't even know any of these people's names there's too many of them well jeff is the main guy jeff is the father the main guy yeah <laughs> they don't jeff. Even have names of jeff okay I, I did have some sympathy for Jeff. I, I don't have kids. I've never lost, you know, a, a child to a drunk driver or to any other kind of accident. But I've known people who have lost kids to to car accidents, and I, I've been hit by a drunk driver before. So I definitely felt some sympathy. It didn't give me an emotional tie to him. I didn't care about him like I usually care for a protagonist in a movie. But unlike one and two, there's someone I could kind of latch on to. Yeah, I found the same thing, and I'll, I'll say it up front: of the four we've watched. This is my favorite so far, and I think it's because I found Jeff to be a sympathetic character because he's the first not repugnant person. Most of the people who are there is like, you're a drug addict. You're a convicted criminal. You hit people in the back of the head with baseball bats with spikes. You know, there haven't been nice people before. Well, going back, going back to Lynn, she's kind of in the same boat. Like, one thing that annoyed me when she was getting the rules of her game from Jigsaw 
is he talks about, you know, you go through life, you're so depressed, you go through this drug haze, you take antidepressants. I thought you know, that to, funny, too, you, is that John's a Scientologist. Well, here, here's the thing. He just got a doctor because he needs drugs to keep living. So, I, I mean, I guess my problem was is how they treated people with depression. I, I have friends and family members that have suffered with depression. And it's a serious thing. You take those drugs because you need them. You're not trying to numb yourself to life. Depression's a serious uh, mental disorder. Again, I think John's a Scientologist. I think Jigsaw, you know, he and Tom Cruise, no drugs. Well, and I think there's some billboards around our town that pretty much sum up what you guys are saying. And it, it's for a depression awareness council. And it says you'd never tell someone with cancer to just get over it. So that's kind of what he's saying to her. But then, yeah, it's exactly actually very appropriate. It is. <laughs> you know, again, Jeff and Lynn, did I care about them like I cared about, you know, Luke and Leia and Han and, and, and Star Wars? No, but at least I could latch on to someone in this movie unlike the other two but do you think you're kind of numb and you really can't latch on to anyone in these movies at this point or any horror movie really because everyone freaking dies or has to mangle themselves and we only see amanda repeatedly as someone who got out alive carrie always got out alive he never comes back we know off topic it's really the money disputes but he might have likely bled to death given how pale he looked when he was dragging himself I, i understand but the big deal was made about amanda because she survived one of his tests and then anyone else that survives any of his tests, we never see again. Well, and here's, again, I, I'm kind of the horror new newbie here because I don't watch a lot of horror films. And one, I don't even know if I'd call these horror. You know, is, is Silence of the Lamb a horror movie? Technically, I would say, yeah, it no, is. No, I think that's more of a drama. Yeah. I mean, that that's more of a, I, I don't know, this feels more like Silence of the Lambs with all the little tests and mind games than a, than a horror movie. But be, that, besides that, w- with a horror movie, it seems, you know, especially when you get into like Halloween and, and Friday the 13th and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Don't you end up just attaching your emotions to the serial killer because that's the one you recognize in everything? Don't you end up almost rooting for them because that is the central figure? Yeah, and that is an unintentional consequence. I was reading about this, you know, I, I perhaps studied horror film a little too much. I got through college literally writing term papers about Jason and Freddy. And one of the things that kept being said in the 90s is they lost their fear because they became the stars, they became the heroes, and you no longer are afraid of them you're rooting for them but in their first incarnations you were supposed to be afraid of them it's just by the end familiarity said but in. these are a little different in the traditional horror movie and the- that you can't peg who's going to be their survivor usually if you watch like a friday 13th or nightmare on elm street you're like they're dead they're dead they're dead she's gonna live they're dead they're dead they're dead here's my because here's my point if if traditionally with these uh long-running you know horror franchises you end up rooting for the killer i i don't feel anything towards jake saw i don't he's not a charming he doesn't have that that uh black humor that uh like freddie does there's there's nothing charming about him he's a he's a dying cancer victim and so i don't want to latch onto him so i'm stuck with again stuck with no one <laughs> the thing is with this first of all i mean there's a slight difference between the slasher film and the horror film and the second thing is you know with jason and michael you can't really latch on because neither of them talk but what they do for you and perhaps what jigsaw does as well one of the big things if you watch Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street is Jason is killing the people who you don't like if you're in high school. He's killing the slutty girl who turned you down. He's killing the jock who kicked sand in your face. It's it's a minor revenge fantasy that you can play out rooting for Jason to kill stand-ins for people you don't like. And so maybe Jigsaw's the next level of that. He's killing the junkie who raped your girlfriend or something. Or the guy who's sad because his son was killed by a drunk driver. Exactly. Yeah, it just, you can't latch on to Jigsaw because one, the cancer is really not sympathetic. I They don't play that up. It's, I don't know why. And you just can't get behind his reason for these tests. And if he really wanted people to truly appreciate life, perhaps he would make the test net so gruesome so they wouldn't be <laughs> physically maimed if they actually survive. But perhaps this whole thing, because all these Saw movies come out in October. And there's one thing that I think they started with three, maybe it was four is they do a Saw blood drive every year to have people donate blood to help the blood drives. Maybe the fact that Jigsaw is a cancer
cancer victim. This whole thing is to raise breast cancer awareness month. Well, did you know that here's really spooky tidbit. Tobin Bell, the actor, actually donated two pints of blood and they mixed it in with the red ink that they made some posters with and sold the posters for charity. Yeah. For the Red Cross. Well, Kiss did that in the 70s. Oh, I thought that was just like an urban legend. No, they cut their hands and put some blood in a... Or they probably actually used a syringe. I, I always picture like, them like standing over like a Satan ceremony cutting their hands and letting it drip into the comic book ink. But no, that really happened. Oh, I thought they left like toenails and like record sleeves or something. No, they used blood in comic book ink. Ah. Well, getting back to the movie... <laughs> Do you think, because here it's revealed that Amanda, she's still cutting herself. So if we're, if we're supposed to go, yeah, man, Jake saw he's getting revenge on those, you know, those people we don't like, but his methods aren't working here. Here is supposed to redeem this character. She's supposed to stop being a junkie and stop harming herself. And she's been through like two tests now in this movie. It reveals it's, this is her third test. She's still, she's the backslider. So how effective are his methods if they even do live? I think his methods are very effective in that this, this is the big twist at the end is we follow Jeff through all these tests he faces against the witness he faces off against the judge and then he finally faces off against the drunk driver who killed his son who was a 27 year old medical student who actually looked like a not very drunk when they show the flashback of the Mm -hmm. accident because he's in a sweater vest and glasses it doesn't look like he was coming carousing perhaps he was at an Urkel party it was the middle of the day too I I, I actually had to go back I'm like was he drunk or did he just hit him in an accident I thought yeah, I thought maybe he just like accidentally hit him, but the drunk thing kept coming up because it was the middle of the day. The, the sun was high in the sky. And, and I've got to say, of course, here, the drunk driver, black guy, the guy whose son died white. I'm just saying, you don't want to have too, you know, I, I, it's just something I noticed in Hollywood. You know, here we want to show a gruesome death. We want to show this guy's arms get twisted off and his head twisted off. But it, we don't want Jeff, you know, to look too much like a bad guy for letting that happen because, you know, he's basically the hero of this story he's the one trying to try to trying to redeem himself and so we're gonna throw a black eye up there we're gonna pit that black i think you know i i hate to say say it but i always see a subtle form of racism in hollywood and uh, horror the horror genre i think has a tradition of it a stronger tradition of it so that kind of annoyed me uh, yeah i mean there's the old joke that you know they called it right out and scream too that the black guy always dies first and you know the the black cameraman in scream too is like i'm getting the hell out of here because the black people never live so th- there is that to be said i i don't know that it was necessarily intentional here or not i mean so many people are killed so gruesomely is it misogynistic that the woman in the freezer is completely naked and and then covered over with ice. I mean, given that I, I thought so, I think that I, she suffocated to death. You didn't have to be naked to suffocate. I, I, I was surprised uh, because, again, my stereotype of horror movies is always there's the gratuitous nudity, and this is the first time we've gotten any nudity in these movies. And when he's reaching for the key to finally free the naked girl, what, did Jigsaw measure his arm to know exactly how far back to place that key? Was he breaking out like the tailor's cloth tape? Measure. Okay, he has a 34 inch arm. We will place the key 36 inches. And had he just watched a Christmas story? Because that's that's this that's what I thought of when I saw that scene. So then he does rescue the judge. He has to burn his son's toys, which he had cherished, in order to save the judge. I thought the judge was gonna die because he tries to save the woman, but he spends so much time yelling at the woman before he tries to save her that she dies. He spends an equal amount of time yelling at the judge. So if he really wants to save the judge, you'd think he'd learn to stop his yelling. And uh, well, the judge is the judge is a white male, so mm-hmm. he does have to save. And he's clothed in fact he's left it with his tie let's talk about the judge for a moment because the judge is being drowned in rancid pig goop they bring in these fetid maggot covered rotted pigs okay i have a question what's with jigsaw's thing with pigs the pig (laughs) mask and the only time we see an animal user these rotten pigs so does he have some sort of fascination fetish for pigs or what maybe he used pigs because of the pig mask which we find out about in four and let's look whose credit card is paying for a lot of mini tapes and a lot of pig carcasses. <laughs> and and pig carcasses. <laughs> and so they're being dropped into these saws and this gray pureed liquid is coming out. I gotta say, I, I quote the great Quentin Tarantino when I say, this is some repugnant shit. Was that a hot dog factory? Is that why they had a machine doing that? <laughs> what, is, what is the point of that machine? What do you need to grind up into a pure what, what so, meat product are you grinding up like? <laughs> it's bologna. <laughs> okay. 
But wouldn't you, maybe the cops be clued into somebody who went and purchased like 50 rotten pigs or... Maybe he just kidnapped one of the pork trucks that we see driving all over Illinois and let the pigs die and fester before the trap. But you think, again, that would raise alarm of these cops somewhere along the line. I just think that they have, whatever town this is allegedly taking place in, they have the worst police force on the face of the earth. I think the Mexican police are actually better than these guys and they take bribes. Well, I, I just I wanted to talk about the repugnant pigs because then Jeff has to jump down with the judge. I could practically smell the pigs and I was gagging during that. that well, I'm sorry, but dead things smell gross when they rotten. They fester. really do. Oh, my God. It was death is putrid. So uh, that was just bad. But then he finally faces, as we say, the drunk driver who's I, I, again, I thought it was a Jesus metaphor because he's yeah. arms out and everything. And he's slowly being twisted to death. They break his arms. They break his legs through the bone. And yeah, we think Jeff is the hero. Jeff, I thought it was funny. He could get the key but he was supposed to take a bullet. Jeff outsmarts Jigsaw by untying the knot. I thought that was great. But then the thing goes off anyway and shoots the judge in the face because, you know. Well, I love the judge here because he's like, he like he figures out the keys hooked up to the trigger. And so he goes to Jeff, man, you got to do it. I can't do it. You got to do it. It's like, he, we got to save this guy, but I ain't taking a bullet. <laughs> yeah, he's yelling at Jeff. You're an accomplice to murder if you don't do it. Oh, I, Bitch, big, please, oh, you could do it. <laughs> Yeah, again, with the whole jigsaw is not a murderer thing, it, it annoys the hell out of me. Because I, I can imagine there's some like high school kids that see these movies and, and they want to come off real intellectual. Like, and, you know, if you put someone in a booby trap and they end up setting it off and killing themselves, you're not, you know, you get to go free. You're not a murderer. It annoys the hell out of me, just that flimsy logic with that. Because it seems like such a big point for jigsaw that he doesn't pull it up. But so we think Jeff is the main character throughout all of this. But then we see he has one final test of forgiveness. And you're like, well, if that was the drunk driver, what the hell is he doing? And then comes the first of many twists. Uh, these movies are as twisted as the drunk driver's body after being in that machine. Because the twist is this was never Jeff's test. It was all Amanda's test to see if what? What was what was she supposed to do? Just tolerate Lynn? But did you notice how emotional... Amanda got when he would make it through the test and forgive the people. So you'd think that's what she's going for, but then we find out as Jeffrey merges and as all this is going on that Jigsaw is actually mad at Amanda because she's murdering and not testing. We get to see flashbacks. There's a movie so full of flashbacks. Flashbacks to... It was Amanda in the pig's mask who takes out Adam, so she's stronger than she looks, apparently. Adam's kind of uh, sickly looking, though. I, I, he I, is a writer. He's a photographer. Yeah. Well, in real life, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I saw the apartment he lived in that film. It doesn't look like he eat, eats much there. And then we see her, you know, at the end of one, we wonder what happened to Adam because he was left there with Jigsaw saying game over. We see that Shawnee Smith goes back and suffocates Adam with a bag. And we even find out, remember when we did the first podcast, I'm like, why was the key in the tub with Adam? We get to see a throwaway shot of Amanda throwing the key on Adam. So it was Amanda who left that key there. And the, we get to see her also going back to Detective Matthews and stopping his escape because uh, from the broken foot and they get into a wonderfully brutal fight i like that fight a lot although when he was smashing her head into the wall it was quite obviously a dummy <laughs> okay but i have to say one of the notes i have is who didn't want to see a new kid on the block tortured seriously <laughs> that was awesome i hate new kids on the block i always did i was never a fan of theirs but come on donnie took it and that's awesome they could maybe get jordan in there next <laughs> the opening shot for the first saw movie was adam face down in the tub no, he was I, face up, I thought. I, for some reason, I thought he was face down. So I'm like, continuity error. No, he was face <laughs> up. I got to okay. give them this. For the fact that they're not even reusing sets, because I think the first film was shot in LA, but all the rest are in Toronto. So we're safe, Americans. Jigsaw's Canadian. But for recreate, I got to say, their continuity is solid. I'm looking. I'm looking for ways to poke holes at it. And they are, you know, perfect. Everything matches up from what I know. Yes, because they use all these flashbacks. 
It's just extra scenes they cut from the other movies. They're saving well, lots of money. It, it makes me wonder if they act, if they had all three planned. I mean, you talked about how they planned on doing a trilogy. Were all three written out when they did the first one? Or was the first one such a big hit that they went back and did the second, wrote the second two? Because it, it does seem like very good continuity throughout all three. I think that the first one was such a big hit they went back and did the second two. But I think after part one, each one has been written with the next one well in mind. And it makes me wonder, quite obviously... When they film John and Amanda chaining up Adam and you get to see the Carrie Elway's character face down in the background, you don't get to see him, but they got Adam back because obviously he's the writer of part three, so he wasn't a hard person to track down. But I think I, I have to wonder, you know, how much they really film starting with part two. Do they film these extra scenes that are revealed later just at the time because they've got the scene, they got the camera set up, or is it all like this scene in part three where they have to go back and recreate? everything so meticulously well i did think that amanda's short hair wig when she's kicking the new kid's butt was a pretty bad wig so i'm thinking that they did have to go back and reshoot because her hair is not at all the same which i know is a minor minor thing but that's the kind of stuff you notice I, I gotta say, well, there, there's one scene when they flash back to one where they're setting the bodies up for the first saw. There's one scene that I, I, I just started laughing at. You have Jigsaw applying his makeup, looking in the mirror, and then he kind of wipes down the sink. <laughs> I you know, noticed that like, too. You know, like, you're gonna make guys dig through shit, and you're <laughs> cleaning up after yourself? Well, the other thing you noticed, Marjorie, is that in part two, Shawnee Smith was looking a little bit... She was pudgy. And she had a baby in 2005. And whereas in part one, one and three she was uber skinny in part two she was so maybe either, she was pregnant she was either early pregnant or post pregnant and still losing the weight so there's a continuity error perhaps that's why she had the part of running around the house only and not really involved in any of the and she was in like scenarios. a baggy sweatshirt too wasn't she she's or? like in scrubs oh yeah so perhaps that's why she had a major role yet not physical role in part two but the whole thing is Amanda is killing people and not giving them a chance. How does Jigsaw know she's doing that? Because he I, knows everything. Well, he, uh, yeah. I mean, because obviously she's getting the ideas for these traps from him, but she has that secret engineering degree so she can modify them just a bit so they can't get out of them. But how does he know that they just didn't fail the test? And how is he finding out about the murder? I mean, do the police, every time there's a Jigsaw murder, they do a whole write-up in the paper? Uh, I guess the question is, he's a bedridden cancer patient who is really seriously knocking on death's door throughout this whole movie and most of two. I'm glad you didn't say knocking on heaven's door because I don't think he's getting no. <laughs> well, but yeah, you're right. I mean, he's got to have more hench people than Amanda. There's got to be more people involved in this, and it's got to be a group of people, and there's got to be someone snitching on her. Yeah, they're called gaffers and production assistants. <laughs> I, I gotta say, you know, I, I don't want to uh, flog a dead horse here, but these are the Saw movies, so maybe it's appropriate. You gotta flog a dead pig. Dead pig, yeah. You know, when we get into that whole scene where between Jigsaw and Amanda, or actually it's between Lynn and Jigsaw, where uh, Jigsaw tells her she's just so emotional, and, and here we go again with the stereotypes, the over-emotional woman who can't, you know, put reason first, and, and emotion is her downfall, and that's what ends up killing her. Well, alright, to defend this, First of all, you've got the exact counterbalance there with Lynn, who's a woman who would have reason to be emotional. She's got a bomb on her neck and she sucks. But... That's why she able to do that but well maybe but there's that moment where she's about to give john brain surgery and she's kind of freaking out a little bit and she's able to pull herself together and do it so she's able to get past her emotions where amanda is not and second of all amanda's not over emotional amanda's a psychopathic hoe i mean she's <laughs> cutting her own leg she's hiding it from john and she's killing people that's not emotional jacob that's not a woman thing that's a crazy thing well Maybe I said something about the women, the kind of women I've dated. <laughs> and also, I believe that they're portraying a nice, strong woman as she keeps overpowering people with the pig mask. Perhaps having a psycho hose beast as an evil henchman isn't a good idea. Because she's nuts. And I don't think it's drugs. I think she's just really nuts. I loved it when her cutting scene, where we get to see her cut herself, she goes in and she's got like this kit. And at first I thought she was a heroin addict, because you see in the movies, the heroin addicts always have the kits. And she unrolls it. It's very meticulous. She lays 
plays out all the instruments and they look all nice and sterile so she's not going to get an infected cut. Yeah, that's what's funny is she has like alcohol and gauze. She's a very meticulous cutter. And, and yet, and Jigsaw doesn't know about that, but he knows about this mysterious witness. I, I mean, does she really think she's fooling him? I think he knows that she's a cutter too. I got the impression he knew that as well. He's like... Yeah, I think he knew, but did, did she think he didn't know? I mean, has she, has she not been working with him long enough? So he has to have spies then too, because he has to have spies to know all this about everybody. He probably has cameras everywhere. <laughs> he has cameras everywhere. He's got internet cameras everywhere. He just goes to a website to watch it all. <laughs> but to Jacob's earlier point, I mean, Amanda actually has the dialogue. Nobody changes. It's all bullshit. It's all a lie. And I'm just a pawn in your stupid games. So Jigsaw doesn't ever redeem. There's no redemption in Jigsaw's games. It's nobody ever learns. Even Amanda, who was supposedly so changed as to become his disciple, didn't learn. So then we get the final standoff and we see what the final test is. I guess Amanda has just had enough of Lynn because Amanda's hatred for Lynn is it's a stretch. Sure, there's scenes where Jigsaw keeps telling Amanda to leave him and Lynn alone and Amanda walks in and Jigsaw's holding Lynn's hand. He's actually examining her wedding ring, but it looks like it's a romantic thing. But making Amanda hate Lynn this badly, God, I really hope that nobody, no waitress ever gave Amanda bad service in a restaurant because she'd be breaking out the traps. I mean, it, it seems like it takes very little to make Amanda want to kill you. Well, do you, in, in the version you saw, there's the flashbacks to, I don't know if it's Jigsaw's girlfriend or wife or whatever, and it, it shows him, he's saying, I love you, I love you, you know, obviously thinking of those flashbacks, but he's holding Lynn's hand and... and yeah, it looks like he's saying it to Lynn. You had that scene as well, because I really, yeah, it, it really looked like he was just trying to play Amanda and drive that jealousy up. So Amanda finally can't take it anymore, and despite Jigsaw's warnings not to, she is going to kill Lynn. And this is when we find out, oh, the next twist, it's all been a test for Amanda, and Amanda has to let Lynn go, because as we said, I think it was during the second podcast, you gotta play by Jigsaw's rules, and even Amanda, his disciple, hasn't learned to play by those damn rules. And it's a good thing Amanda shot Lynn in a non-vital place where she didn't die right away, like in the face, because that's gonna play into when Jeff shows up. Because Jeff is walking right towards this makeshift medical wing of the warehouse or evil lair. Perfect timing. Right as Lynn gets shot. And shocker, Lynn and Jeff are married. Yeah, I didn't see that coming because there are no hints to that at all. Here's what really pissed me off. Remember I said in the first movie that they cheat? At the very beginning, when we're first introduced to Lynn, she's in a room with a guy and they're kind of fighting. The guy's saying, you never talk to me. And she says to the guy, what do you want from me? And he goes... I want a divorce. Well, the writers cheat because I don't get the impression, even in retrospect, that he's wanting a divorce from his wife so he can be with Lynn. No, I think he wants Lynn to get divorced. He to get divorced. He wants yeah. Lynn to get I had to watch it twice to get that because I'm like, wait, he, they said they were getting divorced. They're cheating. And I went back and that that's how I read it. That it's wants. still, it, it is still cheating. And it's, it's bad enough that the guy she's cheating with looks like a thinner version of her husband just without the accent. But yeah, Jeff gets there just in time to see his wife shot and we find out the reason she was on antidepressants is she was equally tore up about the death of her son. And so Jeff gets there and despite having rescued the judge and attempting to rescue the drunk driver, shoots Amanda in the neck. Amazing shot. I guess he's practiced, you know, aiming a gun a lot in the mirror, so. Or he plays so a lot of duck hunts. Yeah, it's just a great shot. It is. And it's funny because as Jeff faced each of his trials, Jigsaw was leaving him one piece. You know, it was like a video game where you have to go to this room and get the bullets and then go to this room and get the magazine and then go to this room and get the gun. It reminded me of Silent Hill. Remember in Silent Hill where you have to, yeah. the, which is based on a video game, you have to go and pick up certain items and it very transparent what they did. But he only had one bullet so he had to be a good shot otherwise Amanda would have lived. And so this is Jigsaw's ultimate thing is if Amanda doesn't survive, when Amanda shoots Lynn, Jigsaw actually says you've just ended four lives. And the first one is Lynn. The second one is Amanda. And then here's where I'm like, all right, they're kind of stretching is now Jeff and Jigsaw are, are there alone. Lynn is still alive. Like you said, it was, was not a vital organ. And Jigsaw saying, we can save your wife. I can get an ambulance here. In four minutes. Yeah. Especially in a white neighborhood because we know Flavor <laughs> Flay 911 is a joke. So <laughs> an ambulance in four minutes. Damn. Maybe one of his hidden disciples is actually an EMT. 
But Jeff just has to let him do it and forgive Jigsaw for putting Jeff and his wife through all of this. Does Jeff know? Because I'm trying to think if I come upon, if I'm Jeff and I come upon this scene, my wife falls down, shot in the stomach. There's this chick holding a gun. I shoot her and I see this old guy with his head cut open in a hospital bed. I, I'm not thinking Jigsaw is the killer. I'm not thinking this old guy's the killer. I, I think the woman I just shot in the neck was responsible for all of this. Did Jigsaw, maybe I missed does he reveal that he was responsible for this whole thing to him? I kind of just thought that even though the voice on the tapes is somewhat modulated, that it was the same voice. I mean, if you're going through test after test, it's like, Jeff, you need to learn to forgive. And then you walk into a room and there's a man there. Jeff, have you learned to forgive? It's not a big jump to figure out this is the dude on the tapes. All right. <laughs> the one thing I, I did notice is there's the scene where Lynn has to give Jigsaw brain surgery to alleviate the pressure on his brain. Now, first of all, this scene, it started off, I was fine with it. They peeled back the skull cap and I'm like, oh, that looks fake. And then they see the skull and she starts drilling and the first drill hole and I'm like, fine. And the second drill hole and I'm okay. Then when she goes for the third drill hole, there's this tapping sound when the drill bit hits, is put down on the yeah. skull. And I'm like, oh God. And from that moment on, the brain surgery scene was freaking me out. And she pulls back the brain sack. And what freaks me out about that, I don't like brain surgery because you're awake. And if I ever have a brain tumor, I'll probably kill myself because that just freaks me out. And I did not like seeing the brain scene. Yeah, I, 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 it was definitely my stomach turn. And again, they're going for the gore here because that whole scene, they didn't need it. They could have summed it up. Okay, I cut open his brain. It's breathing now. He's fine. I mean, obviously, this there's a reason you're seeing these movies and it's for the gore. The the difference between horror and drama is the amount of blood you see. Yeah, and they give you the blood here. I, I think it's in the very first movie, Jigsaw says, there will be blood. And yeah, there's a lot of it. But all I can think of is in that grimy ass room, he's going to get a nasty infection with his brain exposed like that. Yeah, I don't think this is a well thought out plan. <laughs> I mean, that that's at best a Band-Aid measure, because I think when you expose your brain, isn't it normally in a sterile environment? And that thing was the furthest from sterile. Imaginable. Well, you hope it's a sterile environment. I also love that to do the brain surgery, Lynn gives Amanda a shopping list of things to to go get i need a saw a drill and some anesthetic she's never specific she's a doctor wouldn't she have said i need like this type of anesthetic and this many milligrams no just any anesthetic will do yeah and you need the some ambisol <laughs> well and then she's screaming for ativan when he's having a seizure and if she was getting anesthetics and things to make him hold still because i'm sorry but hey while you're out can you get some ativan well you need if you're doing brain surgery i assume they would want the patient to remain still as possible ativan you're gonna need that come on well, I got to wonder where she got. I mean, it, it didn't bug me too much. But I'm like, really? She can just walk into a hospital, grab this stuff. But she just walked into a hospital and grabbed a doctor. Two of them. Exactly. And, and then I realized that I'm like, man, they're making like bear traps out of nothing here. They have some special, there's like some demented version of a uh, Walmart where they just go to pick this stuff up. And I, I moved. It's Canada. It. It's how they live up there. That's right. Damn. And Obama wants us to be like that. That's what it's all about. And there go our Canadian listeners. So I asked earlier if Jeff could have forgiven the drunk driver. And now I really think that how hard is it going to be if your wife is lying there bleeding to not cut open and kill the, the man who's lying bedridden? I mean, he's obviously going to die anyway. He's got a head wound. But oh, th this whole th this whole scene seemed just didn't convince me. If my wife's bleeding and this guy's like, dude, I could get an ambulance here in four minutes. I don't even really know what's been going on. And if I was able to forgive my the drunk driver that killed my kid, dude, I just want to save my wife. That's exactly where I am, too. I, di I did not buy this scene at all. But instead, because the movie is named Saw, Jeff happens to find a nice circular saw and cut open Jigsaw's neck. It, it's funny because my wife hasn't been watching these with me. She hasn't seen them. And she's like, well, why are they called Saw? And I'm like, in the first one, a guy cuts his foot off with a hacksaw. So maybe that's why. And, and I, I really felt he felt, pulled out that saw just because that's the name of the film. But I always thought it's because Jigsaw sees everything. And he oh, saw that. Oh, God, you blew my mind again. It's a Going back to your college degree, Marjorie, you're, you're just, you're seeing the... It's like an onion, and you're just peeling these layers back. It's blowing my mind. Well, my sociology did do me some good, I guess. <laughs> All those years wasted. Now, if you could only make bear traps out of leftover office furniture. I'm no good with my hands like that. Or dioramas of bathrooms. I can make dioramas. 
I've never tried a bathroom. And so Jeff kills Jigsaw. And I, I loved this kill. It was my favorite kill of the whole movie. Lynn's head goes boom. Yeah, that, that was a great, you know, I'm not a big gore person, but I, I can appreciate that scene. Just the, the head shotgunned off. Beautiful. <laughs> That was just great. And, the, and all you see is teeth. Just a brain stem sitting there. <laughs> and then the doors close on Jeff. So that is the fourth life ruin. Jeff is now trapped in the room with these three other dead bodies. But he must get out because they get Jigsaw's body. Okay, so is that where the movie ended for you? Yes. Yeah. Because okay, when he, in the version I saw, he, he cuts uh, Jigsaw's throat and Jigsaw pulls out yet another mini tape recorder. Yes, he has plan B under the hospital gown the whole time of the tape he can play after Jeff cuts his throat because he knew he wouldn't be able to speak. Yeah, and it says, I, I was the only one that knew where your daughter was. Yes, yes. Which was great because if you listen, he talks about how, you you know, if, if you don't go through this, you'll never see your child again. You always think he's referring to the son or you're, you'll never get over the death of your child. He doesn't say the death of your son. He says the death of your child. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know what? It's a cheap trick, but I really appreciated that. I did too. I thought that was a great thing. And you get to see an image of this girl locked in a room. They do the wonderful keyhole cam shot. And I thought that was a hell of an ending. But yet, you know, whatever. I I thought the parents in the audience must have walked out of this movie just kind of shaking because you never see the kid freed. And this is the first time in the last movie, you got to see the son Daniel's at least safe. In this movie, the eight-year-old girl who supposedly went off to school is left locked in the room and everybody who could help her is dead well and again i don't know if this is in your version you get this weird little quick montage where it just shows a bunch of people a lot of them you haven't even seen before so my guess was this is going to lead up this is where soft war is going to start it's going to be jeff's uh uh, second trial to try to save his daughter it gives this weird little montage thing real quick where it's showing you know it shows that woman that jigsaw was with in in his flashback and showing some different cops and whatnot so I, i just figured well i guess you got to see part four. Ours had what I referred to in my notes as a music video montage at the end, yes. just a whole bunch of scenes. And here's the thing. I think we both saw the unrated version, which again should be called uncut, but the director's version, one of the things added back was, and this is per Wikipedia, a brutal cat fight between Amanda and Lynn. That wouldn't really have added much to me. I got the fact that they didn't like each other. And then there's a, a cat fight in mine. In another scene, Amanda's having nightmares about kidnapping Adam and then decides to give him a mercy killing. So we find out that the bag thing wasn't Amanda's just PMSing. <laughs> there, there's some misogyny for you. <laughs> Amanda's PMSing and decides, I'm going to kill someone. It's She's actually putting Adam out of his misery. But didn't you think that maybe there was more to Jigsaw's motive if some things are unwinnable? Or I guess things are winnable when Jigsaw's doing it, but the consequence is not a quick death, but you have to die in this dirty nasty bathroom of starvation i guess and that's that's a horrible thought too yeah i mean but at least there's a toilet there if you have to go he's trapped in a room (laughs) with see one he could have broken his foot and got out just like new kid on the block did i said matthews is so much more intelligent than the last two because he knows to do that instead of and, and when matthews is limping out of there sure he has to fight shawnee smith but at least he's able to stand and he's not gonna die of blood loss yeah that that was a painful scene watching him walk on that broken foot And then there's also a s- original ending which shows Jeff stumbling over Lynn's corpse to play the jigsaw tape and then screaming before the credits begin. So it sounds like it's about the same ending, but just a different cut of it. So that is the movie. Did the twist get you? I-, I knew there was something up with Amanda. I knew she- because they made such a big deal at the beginning about this mo- the jigsaw's mode. Uh, what is it? Mode of operation changing where they were getting these traps that they just couldn't get out of. I knew there had to be something up with that. I, you know, I didn't put all the pieces together, but I knew that Amanda was going to play into this whole jigsaw game somehow. Well, did you notice that the trademark jigsaw skin flesh taken is gone? Yeah, that, that, I think that happened in two. They just stuck. No, they in part three at the very beginning when they find Troy's body and they do this again, real uh, like montage of cutscenes. Very briefly, I'm talking a fraction of a second. You get to see there's a jigsaw piece cut out of Troy's skin. Okay, I missed out it of then. one of his chunks. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see it. <laughs> All right, so I guess this brings us to recommend or don't recommend. Make your choice. 
Jacob? You know what? I, I think out of the three, this is, I don't, I don't know if enjoyed is the right word. I don't think the Saw movies are something you enjoy, but I, I liked it the most. Um, you know, you don't have the shock of the first one, but I, I like the twist at the end with Amanda. I, you know, these writers are very clever. You, you know, I, I see them masturbating to how clever they are. That's how <laughs> clever they think. But they, they really are. They, they really pull out some great twists. And there's not, if, if there's cheats, there's very small cheats. And this is the first of the Saw films I've seen where it had some characters. Again, I didn't have an emotional connection with them, but at least, you know, I was kind of rooting for them. Uh, Jeff and Lynn, I was kind of rooting for them, hoping they didn't die. So it, I, if you could somehow skip two and still know what's going on with this one, which I, I think you can, you'll still get the main gist of what's going on. Yes, I do recommend this film. Marjorie? I don't think you could watch it as a standalone film because I think your mind would just explode from all the flashbacks and all that you have to wrap your head around. I think it's the best of the three so far, although I have to say one's campy acting by Carrie Elways is awesome and it made that movie so enjoyable for me because I giggled through the whole thing. But I think that they're progressing the story well instead of just making it a cheap slasher flick like Jason or Freddy where that's all that happens. There's no continuing story. It's just like, hey, there's a bunch of kids in the woods. Jason's going to kill them all. There's actually character development, and it's moving on, especially now that we assume Jigsaw's dead. And I, too, recommend this one. I really did enjoy part one a lot. Part two, I believe our biggest complaint is we didn't care about the characters. There were so many of them. Many didn't even have names. Here, they fixed that because I cared about Jeff as much as I could, and I liked the twist with the Amanda and Lynn thing and even though I didn't like Lynn at the beginning by the end I came to appreciate her as a character and the connection with Jeff and the very twist ending with the daughter this movie it's a mind fuck and I enjoyed every step of it and so I do highly recommend if you like gore and horror and masochism Saw 3 is a movie to see so thank you Marjorie and Jacob for joining me and we'll be back to discuss Saw 4 yet another movie that has no cute subtitle Thank you for joining us for this episode of the now playing Saw Movie Retrospective. Congratulations, you are still alive. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review for us on iTunes or post about us on Facebook, Twitter, or your social media avenue of choice. You can find more now playing retrospective series at our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Series include Halloween, Friday the 13th, Star Trek, Terminator, and others. This is the most fun I've had without lubricant. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2009, and is not affiliated with Lionsgate Pictures or Twisted Pictures. Saw and all that the Saw universe contains are copyright and trademark Twisted Pictures, and no infringement is intended. There are three different cuts. There's the three act. There's the three act. <laughs> <laughs> it's the actical. It's the third one. It's the three actical.